0: was that, you know, we wanted to, I asked you about your day one of creativity. You know, have you always been creative? You know, you wrote 25 books and it just happened along the way. Did you know early on and all that good stuff?
1: I guess I did. Um, I used to, when I was young, I guess I was about seven years old. I used to illustrate my own fashion designs and my grandfather, who was in the dress manufacturing business, my mother (laughs) showed them to him. And he said, oh, she must have copied them. And I insisted that they were original and he didn't believe me, but they were. So I guess it's always been there.
0: <laughs> so wait, wait, wait. You, you, you were, he didn't believe that they were original? That yeah, he he out of them
1: Because they were so good that he thought they looked like, a, like a professional illustrator or fashion designers
0: creations. Nice. And you said he was in, in, in the industry at the time?
1: Yes, he was in the industry. I did want to be a fashion designer, but one of my professors in college dissuaded me. Why is that? He, <laughs> I, I don't want to insult any fashion designers because I know better now, but he thought that I was too much of an intellectual to go that route. But he he was a painter and he was kind of a snob. So uh,
0: Yeah, when, he, I did, he, when I did my undergrad... I had uh, an advisor kind of stir me away from my first job that I wanted to do. And, and I don't know if you know this story, but I was trying to do uh sports management before I did PE in my undergrad. And I went to the, you know, advisors and, you know, we sat down with your scheduling and, you know, what classes you're going to take for the semester and all of that. And they said, well, what do you plan to do? And I said, well, you know, I'd like to, working, you know, sports in some fashion, you know, as far as like a director, facility manager, something along those routes. And he goes, well, who do you know in sports? And, and I was like, well, I don't know really anybody besides just, you know, people in my high school or whatever like that. He goes, well, you're never going to get a job. <laughs> and I was like, what? And until this day, I you know, I let it stir me away from uh, even pursuing that path, that career path. And, he and he was he was known to be an advisor like that, just to kind of stir away from people's dreams and stuff and and but you know I got my uh, I don't want to say revenge but you know I did finally do some internships in sports and did a couple of different jobs with him and ended up getting my degree or master's degree in sports management so I guess jokes on him now but um, but you know I didn't that is a, he is right to an extent that a lot of the um, to get a job in sports it's all about who you know and your background but it's also like that with a lot of other jobs too not only not only sports. So, but yeah, I've been down that road before.
1: But it, 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 you know, you learn to network a lot of, a lot of professions like that, as you say, but that's a terrible thing to say to a young person. I mean, you know, you really shouldn't be an advisor. That's an awful thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I would never say that. Yeah. It's just,
0: and you know, it's, I don't know what it is that some people like to shoot down dreams or, and I don't, I'm not saying that he was wanting, to shoot down dreams or shoot down anything. I think that was just, I don't know if you want to call it his philosophy, his experience in life and whatever, but you know, sometimes I've talked on here before, you know, growing up and going through my life experience and life path that sometimes when you talk about dreams and showing that, Hey, I want to do be an astronaut or something you're immediately shot down as a kid, you know, as well. And that's not that I'm generally speaking. I'm not saying that's everybody, but it's more just like, well, what are the odds of that happening? It's just, well, you know, I don't know, but I'd, I'd like to do it. But then when somebody stirs you away from it, rains on your parade, it instantly alters your thinking, or it does for me anyway, or it did at the time.
1: But but it didn't deter you ultimately, so no. that's great.
0: Yeah, you know, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that you keep pushing forward and, you know, like, well, I can I can do things. It's might not going to be the most easiest route, but, you know, if you really... If, I'm a firm believer. If you really want to do something, you can, it's just a matter of it's going to be a different route. It's going to be a different path and you might not go the same way as, you know, I don't know, like Jerry West or some big time person like that, but it can happen if you don't mind going through obstacles and a couple of bumps across along the way and being told oh, that you can't do something. So.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, 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 in, in my new book, um, the one behind me, I tell the story about, Uh, a friend of mine who uh, was an attorney and she became an attorney because she was pragmatic. She really wanted to go into the arts. She's an incredibly, talk about creative, she's an incredibly creative person and she retired early. And um, when she retired, she started going, looking into creative things to do. She took dance classes and she became a docent at an art and design museum. And she would express herself by wearing different fashions, really creative choices on the street. And one day this guy stopped her on the street in Manhattan and he said, can I take your photograph? And that was kind of like a little scary. And she thought about it and then she said, "Okay." and he turned out to be a photographer. And now she's a fashion influencer in retirement. I mean, at 50 plus and she has, she does TV commercials. Wow! And She's a runway model at the age of 50 plus. So like in her second career, she's doing what she always wanted to do.
0: Wow. Yeah. Age is just a number. And somebody else was telling me a story like that as far as uh, writing that I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but. She always wanted to be a writer and it wasn't until 50 something. And then I've forgotten she finally started publishing books and got noticed. And now she's like a multimillionaire or something. And it was like, yeah, just so you didn't get it, you know, early on, like the success that right after college or whatever you, again, you just kind of a part of luck and a part of hard work, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. magic happens, but that's, that's cool. I've seen people or read stories like that. When people in Manhattan, they take pictures of random people and then all of a sudden they blow up and it's really cool. And yeah, I love it. I love those type of stories that, you know, when you never know what's, how your life is just going to change just by walking mm-hmm. down the street or whatever, then yeah. Now, you know, like you said, she's a runway model and yeah. And I mean,
1: yeah. a Second career at an early retirement. It just, you know, an amazing career because she followed a creative path uh, and, and, and followed a dream that didn't happen earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was pregnant.
0: In your experience, you know, do you, you know, like kind of what I was saying? Do a lot of people put down the arts in a way? And I guess what oh. I'm yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is that, you know, I've had family members and you know other friends who actually went into graphic design or majors in art or whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, most some people will just, what are you going to do with that? You know, you can't make money with being in arts, but it's not true, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, I guess it's. A, Is that kind of what the, I don't want to say cultural norm or a narrative, but a lot of people seem to put put down the arts.
1: Yeah, it it really is. I really feel for students who want to go into fine arts. It doesn't happen as much with my students in graphic design and in creative side of advertising. But even then, a lot of families don't know what that means. Although students graduate making more than I do. (laughs) Um, My students are making a lot of money. And um, we have... This is anecdotally, I mean, we have an amazing program. Uh, this is anecdotal data. We have 98% employment. I mean, I have I have agencies calling me saying, can you send me somebody? And I'm like, I don't have anybody left to send you. They, they get jobs immediately. That's so amazing. families really don't understand. Uh, but my, we have applied programs. In other words, graphic designers and art directors do have professions.
0: Sure you know
1: they're not painters or sculptors so but you're you're absolutely right people people really don't understand they see it as you know la bohème you're you're living this bohemian life with no way to make a living whereas my students are doing extraordinarily well
0: yeah i read a couple stories that uh i forgot one student you had that was the only one actually sharing ideas and um on your biography. And it's like, it was one great idea after the other compared to everybody else. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, I I have students. I just, if you follow, you know, if if we connect on LinkedIn, you can see all these success stories. of very young people doing extraordinarily well, senior vice presidents. We have people who own ad agencies. I mean, they just do extraordinarily well.
0: Do you think, you know, a lot of people shut it down. Is just because, They didn't really grow up with it. And it's kind of a new thing to them, especially in today's age where, you know, everything can be graphic design as far as, you know, creating YouTube, uh, you know, like you said, fashion, you know, making logos for people, being a freelance person on Fiverr. And, you know, and growing up in the 50s and 60s, I mean, as far as my, you know, my knowledge of it, you know, you ever watch the show Madman? I mean, that was like, as far as like, like as far as graphics and creating things, that's all you ever really saw as far as marketing and everything. So you think that's just kind of what it is, just new to them and no, and they don't haven't explored all the possibilities people can go down with the, the arts, I guess, especially in today's age.
1: Well, yeah, even the students who come in as majors to our programs don't even realize the, the vastness of the industry. Yeah. all the different careers that are possible so yeah i mean they really don't understand all the possibilities yeah it's really and then you see the shows like that and it looks kind of frightening <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but it, it, it's really a very wonderful career um you know i've been in and out of it i, I consult in, in the industry and um i i would be in it full time except that i i so love to teach that uh teaching always every time I think I'll leave teaching to go into the industry full time, teaching just pulls me back in.
0: Was that, was that always your plan was to be a teacher and to teach it?
1: Um, my mother. that was my mother's, plan. <laughs> my mother's <laughs> plan. My mother's plan was for me to be a grade school teacher. Oh. And, and I, um, tried student teaching when I was in college and, that was not for me at all. There, there were way too many issues for young children that I, that I didn't like at all. And then I I went on for graduate school and went into industry. And then in graduate school, I had a teaching fellowship. So I got to teach a course in color theory. And I just really, really loved it. And I loved teaching in higher education. I mean, all, you're teaching adults. Mm-hmm. There there are no issues. You know? Everybody's quiet. Everybody's listening. Everybody's interested. Everybody wants to be there. And it was a very different experience. And so I went in and out of industry and then I got a full-time teaching job and I just fell in love with it. What
0: Do you have a particular f- philosophy that you teach as far as that you uh, stick with? And what is it? And how did you come up with it also?
1: I do. I run a very open, active classroom. Uh, in fact, my classroom is so open and active that uh, they moved me out of one floor where we were too noisy and they put me in a closed room on another Because <laughs> <laughs> My students are too noisy. Um, yeah, I, it's very, very active, very participatory. I don't think I lecture for more than 10 minutes, which I think is not the norm at all. Uh, And, and the students work in groups and in teams. And uh, if you read, if you read any of my student evaluations, what a way to spend your time. Um, They'll, they'll tell you that I'm very respectful of, of students and I really listen and care about them and care about what they say and, and really try to think about them as individual artists and thinkers and try to have each person blossom in their own way. I don't have I don't impose my sense of design or art direction on them. I allow them to blossom in their own right and fi- I find that seed in them and let it grow. Yeah. Uh, and and I let them there's a lot of play and that's why we're noisy and nobody wants to be near us, though. So uh, there's a lot of play in my classroom.
0: Yeah. Those are the best times that I remember with having, you know, certain classes like that where you could have openness and activeness, like you're saying, and not just sit up there and just watch, or sit there and watch the professor right. read off a PowerPoint. And, I, and I'm not dismissing any of that by any means. I mean, there's, I guess, some, I don't know, some uh, pros to that, but uh, yeah, the best way I learned though is that type of situations is, you know, talking by doing and learning from other people and, and I love that, that you're, sounds like you're giving, you give students the tools to do whatever they want and then go out on their own. Like you said, you plant the seed and like you what, let them make it grow. And that's the type that I like is like learning by doing and learning from my mistakes. And, you know, if I, you know, if I do something that's not normal, you know, it's just like, wait, that's okay though. You know, that's okay to think like that, or that's okay to, you know, you said color theory, I don't even know what that is, but I'm using something other than color theory, you know, and that's what's so fun.
1: One of my students, um, she's in a summer internship at a top agency in LA, and uh, we checked in this week and she they had other interns all on a project and she checked in to tell me that the creative director chose hers, and she told me that everybody else, all the other interns were just ran off and just started illustrating and drawing and doing something. And she said, but I used your method. I started working backward the way you taught me and I looked for an insight and I came up with this very interesting idea that the creative director loved and she chose mine. And i have to tell you, I, I had not let her see, but I started to cry when she, and I don't want to cry now, but when she told me that, and she was so excited that that here at this, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of the agency, but this top agency in LA, she, they picked
0: hers. So when you just said that, you know, you taught her to work backwards, is that kind of like reverse engineering to a certain extent?
1: Yeah. Oh, very good. Yes, Chris. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, like, well, yeah. Well, I, well, I got that from, I'm, and uh, I don't mean to, cut, mean to cut you off, but you know who Bob Lazar is? No. So he's one of those guys who worked at Area 51 and, you know, claims he's, you know, seen aliens and stuff. And we don't have to talk about aliens or anything. But uh, in his documentary or whatever, when he was talking about when they found, you know, these UFOs, you know, or something from not this planet, they had him reverse engineering the technology. And so that's what kind of triggered my brain. It's like, ooh, work backwards, reverse engineering. It's got to be kind of the same thing. So, yeah. If you, but let's explain that to people or you explain your thoughts on that.
1: Well, working backward in in the way that I teach it is that you don't problem solve. If they give you a problem, you don't immediately start solving that problem that they've given you. But you go back and you start thinking about, you start finding other problems, like what else can I do? Um, And you start thinking about the audience and you think about the brand and you start um, thinking about, prompts and other ways and reverse engineer as you said the problem break it down and see what else can be done um it's a very long process but in other words you don't immediately start problem solving which is what most people do sure you don't just jump in but you you really break it down and you look for other avenues you kind of try to find the problem rather than solve the problem. I'm not explaining it that well because it's really complicated and it takes a lot of training, Um, but she was looking, she started out by looking for an insight. So when in advertising, you really want to find an insight into the audience and and what makes people tick. Um, So for example, I'm sure your audience knows the Dove Real Beauty campaign. It's been running for about 20 years in different iterations. Um, Dove was one of the first brands that didn't use supermodels about 20 years ago. And they had, and, and the insight for the Real Beauty campaign came when somebody on the team noticed that on social media, women were talking trash about themselves. That hmm. only 2% of women think that they're beautiful. Hmm. Interesting. And they, yeah, it's really interesting. And that was an insight that nobody had noticed before and tapped into.
0: That seems and, like a uh, number, or two percent. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I was just thinking out mm-hmm. loud that two percent. I would have thought. I don't know. The number doesn't seem. I guess it's correct, obviously, but it just. I would have thought. I don't know. I don't really know what my thoughts are. So I'll show. Well, that's
1: that's so. twenty years ago, before they launched. This oh, okay, I'm with you now. Yeah, and they really tried to help change that conversation. Right. Sure. Um. And or, for example, the brand always um, feminine hygiene product, they yeah. took a term like um, runs like a girl, things that you do like a girl. Well, you know, in fitness, hit like a girl, run like a girl. And they tried to change the meaning of like a girl in sports. I see. To, so the insight was that girls felt bad. When people would say, oh, you do it like a girl, or even of even if they said it to a boy that, that you run like a girl, you yeah. hit like a girl, right? That's an insult. Sure. So they're, sure. so when when advertising, when you look for that insight, you're hitting on something that people can relate to and that resonates. Um, and that's part of working backward, where you're, where you're looking for this insight.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as you were talking, I was just thinking that, you know, we're always taught, you know, if there's a problem, you got to solve it, you know, you got to solve it immediately. Right. And then that's, I guess, you know, the traditional format, which, you know, finding the problem or like you were talking about, though, that's, you know, completely different to me. And, uh something I never really thought about before, but yeah, that makes right. perfect sense though. You know, what's the problem? All right. Don't solve it. Let's, you know, find it first. And
1: Right. And in, in my book, the new order of ideas, I give a whole new framework for thinking about how to get an idea, whether it's for advertising, graphic design, science, an invention, the idea that when you have a goal um, to, whether it's to come up with an idea for an ad or whether it's to come up with an idea for a concept car, whatever it is, or a new new ball game, you look for a gap, Um, you look for what's missing or you look for an underserved audience. For example, there aren't that many games aimed at senior citizens, like where's a gap? It could be an underserved audience, it could be missing research, for example, MNRNA recently was used in medicine as a carrier, wasn't really used before. So there's always a gap. Um, What gap is there? And then if you you have that goal and there's a gap, what's the gain for people? What can people get out of it? Is there something in it for people, for the environment, for the planet, for animals? If there's no gain, What's the point? If it's just profit, to me, it's not a worthwhile idea. So my whole thinking is about what's worthwhile, whether it's for individuals, society or the planet.
0: Would somebody probably give you pushback on that about, Oh, we want it to be for profit. Who cares if it's, oh, sure. uh, who cares if it's, you know, worthwhile for the environment?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's, you know, how many, how many power drinks, how many diet drinks it's for profit. Sure. That's, that's what that's we're all about. But I think companies are starting to realize that that especially Gen Z wants to put their money at, at brands that are actually doing something positive mm-hmm. besides just selling stuff. So there's the triple bottom line of people, profit, and the planet.
0: Well, and especially in today's age, so with that, you know, we can do so much more research into a company and actually knowing know as far as studies and knowing what their products are actually doing you know is it actually you know giving off the i don't know giving off the attributes it's they actually claim you know that they are saying that you know right. you know right. I said before on here that um i forgot like you know sugar used to you know control some kind of studies and to say no it's yes. not sugar causing some kind of diseases whatever yes. it's like meat, for example
1: yes yeah exactly yes
0: yeah and just that it's become, I guess, obviously people are aware of it, but I think, you know, I mean, back in the day, if you would have told me, you know, well, you know, if you drink Coke every day for the rest of your life, you'll be okay. And you'll live to a hundred, you know, but now it's hmm, got more research out there and people can do their own research and studies. And like I said, Oh yeah. So I probably shouldn't drink Coke all the time. So nothing against Coke. I mean, but I'm just, we're finding out you shouldn't put that much sugar in your body.
1: Yes, that's right. And people can really go on to to companies' websites and see what they are doing yeah. for for what their values are and what their mission is and, and what they are doing, if they have any foundations. In other words, if they're giving to charities, are they helping uh, support clean water or helping causes of no poverty or sustainability? So we can always check and see if they're putting their money where their mouth is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I like how you... Uh... You you bring that out is just that you know I want it to be worthwhile and something positive rather than just for money. Just because I think that's also a misconception that you know, like I said, people would give you pushback. No, it's like why are you doing it if it's not for money or whatever? We gotta and there, you know I guess there is a place for money and everything, but it's also I you know I would feel like I would get more out of something that you know you're changing something for the better, especially with so many problems, so many issues in today's world that it's like hey, I'm actually helping out and. You know, I mean, like, for example, this podcast, you know, if I was doing it for the money, you know, it I'll be doing it for all the wrong reasons in my eyes and that it would never take off, I think, just because if I'm, it's not worthwhile to me for the money. I didn't do it for the money. You know, I like having these conversations. This is fun. You know, I learned something new and it's part of my learning experience and my growth, I guess. And, and that I think some people start things for the money and that's kind of one of the reasons they fail sometimes, maybe. Right right yeah they're doing, well,
1: it- doing it for a passion it's a passion yeah well well yeah it, mm,
0: i guess it is i never really thought of it as a passion but i always just you know i got tired of listening to music all the time like at work and i wanted something different and i remember like listening to my first podcast you know back in like five six years ago And i got so much more out of it just listening to other people's stories and you know like listen to their philosophies on thing and their takes and i was like wow yeah so yeah and i was like mm, i guess you could say it's a passion yeah and i wanted to explore it you know and see what happens
1: well you, you're a people person i mean you're you're great at this you're just so you're such such a great conversationalist so i mean maybe passion is the wrong word but you're so interested in people
0: yeah and so you, you know,
1: followed your interest
0: yeah and that's you know and kind of like we were saying that i wanted to do something not only for me but and i've said it only here a 100 times but if 99 people hate this episode, but you know, at 99 out of a hundred people hate this episode, but one person enjoyed it and they said something about it. It's like, wow. That's great. They, you know, that makes me feel good because, you know, I pick up pearls and gems from, you know, listen to people and even you know, stuff like yourself, you know, listen to like your, the way you, um, your, your philosophy on how you teach and everything. It's like, wow, that's so cool. And, you know, I feel like other people need to know that and want to know that and open up their minds. Like, yeah. you. Yeah, uh, you know, and, You know, like a lot. I've had a lot of people when I started this podcast. You know, they're, you know, they're. What are you going to talk about, or what are you going to do? And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I thought I had this like almost creative instinct, and I don't want to. Well, maybe instincts wrong word. Some kind of creativity bug in me. And I was like, well, I kind of, you know, I like creating things, and I like, you know, like when I was doing my logos and like putting my ideas on it. And I'm not, you know, I had to go on Fiverr and get that all that done. But you know, stuff like that's cool. Is like making something out of nothing and. You know, turn it now, even like as a kid, like you were saying, like I would get on, you know, when I was able to, to play video games or do something, I was like, oh, I'm going to create my own way and, and design it how I want to. And it it's fun and it's exciting. And and even like learning Photoshop and uh, Premiere Pro and, and Adobe Illustrator, like I've dabbled in a little graphic design myself, like all oh, that's like sport. You can, I can just feel myself sparking and like something's going on crazy inside of me. And it's so fun at the same time.
1: Oh, absolutely, and I'm sure that even the conversation and thinking of things to ask people and keeping a conversation flowing gets the endorphins going,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's just because you know, like, you know, like I said, we you know we're doing a little dance and you know we're going back and forth and like, what is, what is what is she going to say next? And I'm like, oh, okay, and I'm listening intently. Okay, now where, is that going to trigger something in my head? Like you know, the reverse engineering, and it's fun, you know, especially when you got you know a good chemistry and a good vibe and a good flow going. And yeah, you can speaking
1: just... of dance, you brought up the word dance. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking about it when I was listening to your podcasts that you are like a good um, lead dancer because a good leader actually lets his partner shine. Yeah. And yeah. you do let your guests shine.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of it. I want them to, you know, talk about what you know their expertise is. And I want to listen. And, you know, obviously, sometimes like we were talking about before we got on here, it doesn't always I do a lot more listening than talking, but yeah, I mean, that's what I created this. Let, let them shine, you know, let them, it's not all about me. You know, it's not. know, Can't think of it that way, even though that's what is that little bit narcissist, but it's no, it's not always about me. I want it to be about us. And that, you know, when we both walk away from this podcast that it was like, Oh man, that was a great conversation. Um, I took a few pearls and gems from that. That's awesome. But, and, but in speaking of creativity and things, you know, I wanted to say that I've had people tell me like, "Oh, well, I'm not creative. I can never do anything like that." But it's so like kind of what we were chatting about before. There's a lot of areas that creativity can explore, and it's just a matter of you know taking a chance on something and finding it. You know, it's like you know, like this is part of creativity, and like the arts, like a comedian, you can. That's part of the arts, and like a lot, and I never used oh. to realize that that that's a, that's an art form. You know, I, mean, I think people get that that norm that oh, if you're The arts are just for paintings and sculptors, like you said, but it's not.
1: No, I tell I tell people to listen to comedians, um, especially especially my advertising students, because comedians, especially uh, observational comedians, um, uh, observe life and observe people and they notice things. And part of being creative, one of the most important traits of a creative person is to be a good observationalist is to watch what people do. And anybody can learn to be creative. I can teach almost anyone. I mean, anybody who's interested, I can teach them how to be more creative. Really? And, 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 oh, absolutely. absolutely. If they want to, if they want to learn, I can absolutely teach them how to be more creative. But you're right. Really good comedians, very, very creative.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's one thing. You know, as far as like when I was talking about when I listen to podcasts, I listen to a lot of comedians' podcasts just because you know they talk about you know their writing or their their takes on things and you know how they kind of explore and you know they take a bit and they try they try it out a couple of times and if it's not hitting right, they go back and change it and yeah, and it's just like they just keep working with it and they mold it into something until all of a sudden they have a special on Netflix or something. It's like wow, right. and just that right. process is so cool to me and just. Cause you know, that's what I kind of go down with, you know, I I try to find an idea and build off of it. And here's the thing that sometimes when I'm looking at other ideas or graphics or something, I kind of tend to think that I get stuck in a a nutshell and I'm only kind of going completely off that one, let's say photo or logo or whatever. And I can't bounce out of that shell and get my own creativity going. Does that kind of make sense? Like I'm, Almost. Stuck yeah, people out.
1: get stuck, yeah, and yeah. then they stay in, digging the same hole and they should move over and dig another hole. Um, yeah, I, I always say move over and dig another hole and, and get away from it and let it percolate and get other input and, and, and think about your objectives, and there are all kinds of ways to get out of that. For your listeners, one really good creativity prompt is the question, what if? Um, that's a fantastic creativity prompt. Neil Gaiman says it's one of the best questions author Neil Gaiman says it's one of the best questions you can ask because it you you suppose different different scenarios. Um, the other one that I love is if only. So for example, if only we had uh, digital twins who could outlive us, who would live past us so that all our thoughts and feelings would survive forever yeah. or if only, I could tell you what I was thinking without saying anything and not typing it, or if only, you know. so you could have all these certain questions will really spur your creativity. Um, being curious makes people more creative. So for example, Lin-Manuel Miranda, when he was going on vacation after he wrote In the Heights and it was on, off Broadway and it was about to go to Broadway, he was going on vacation, to the beach in Mexico. And what book does he pick up? The Life of Alexander Hamilton. Now, not exactly to me, a beach read,
0: right? Sure, sure, I would think not.
1: (laughs) Right, and there you go, (laughs) (laughs) Hamilton. He said that when he was reading Hamilton and he was on vacation and he was resting, the best idea of his life walked right in. So he was curious about a a subject that had nothing to do with his profession.
0: Wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So, you know, be curious. I mean, I listen to some, I once I, I, when I go to the museum with friends, I often say, take me where you want to go in the museum because I'll just keep taking you to my favorite spots, but you take me so that, I have a surprise. And one time, my friend Richard said, "Oh, well, let's go look at the illuminated manuscripts, the medieval illuminated manuscripts." And I thought, "Oh, oh, I don't want to look at illuminated." But I said, "Okay," and they were fabulous. And I would never have gone on my own, but I went, and I was open to going, sure. even though you know there was that moment of, "Oh." And I learned from it and I enjoyed it. So curiosity, being open, you know, all of these things make us more creative.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. That Because there's been times that, you know, just like you said, that I was invited to do something or go see something and I immediately was just like, nah, it's going to be lame or whatever. I don't want to do that. And and I I think, I mean, one of the most uh, recent times is that, you know, my mom invited me to watch some kind of musical or whatever with her and, I sat down and I was like, this is actually not bad. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was like, it might've been a documentary on the four seasons or something like that. And they were, you know, don't they have a Broadway
1: show? Oh, Jersey Boy? A Jersey, Jersey Boy,
0: yeah. I Maybe mean, it was a documentary along them or whatever. Yeah. So I actually enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, man, why did I never really pay more attention to their music? And I think it was because when you were little, if you heard that, or for me, when you heard some of those songs for you, it was like, oh, they're not cool. That's not cool. That's not mainstream. But now, you know, I found myself this kind of, you know, going to the car, even like when I'm at the gym, we kind of play older songs while we clean up and get everything, you know, closed up for the night. And we're just dancing around. You know, we were doing Billy Joel the other day with Uptown Girl. So, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. I've noticed it's like, oh, well, let's we'll just try it out. We ain't got to say no right off the bat. And again, right. then you find right. something cool that you never thought of before.
1: Right. I mean, I'm not saying you have to listen to, you know, crazy people. But, (laughs) you know, if somebody makes an interesting suggestion or even something that you normally wouldn't do, you know, not anything dangerous, of course. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Being open and curious really does lend itself to becoming more creative.
0: Is that part when you said you could help people become creative? I mean, is that would be one of the first steps? to get them on that creativity path?
1: Yes, yes. Being, learning how to observe more, really look at things. So let's say you're walking down the street, you know, look at how shadows fall, actually look at things, um, hmm. look at look at shapes that uh, are of buildings, of uh, look at how people wear their scarves. Um, I remember I mean I don't know if I don't I, I don't know how you would know this but I I'm, I'm a dancer also I'm an avid dancer and, nice. and and I take a lot of dance classes and there are much, people much better than me in class and I watch them to you know I watch hand gestures and I watch everything to see to learn but you have to really look carefully to learn right sure. You know that as a fitness sure. person, you really I mean, have to you really have to look and observe to understand the movement and so you learn how to to observe carefully and mindfully right or or as a fitness person you have to be very mindful of how you lift weights right
0: exactly yeah that's exactly what i was thinking in my head as you were talking
1: so mindfulness i mean and it's mindful observation that can make you much more creative. So that's step one. And it's not so easy. I mean, you have, it's practice, hmm. you know, it's, it's, let me say it this way. It's a practice.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's yeah. building okay. something completely new that, you know, like a new habit and you're trying to, whatever we're we to to put it as part as your part of your routine, you know, is, you know, for example, like you said, you know, when we had to study, you know, certain athletes and lifts or whatever, or not really study, but observe them. And watch, you know, like, oh, what are they doing wrong? You know, what are they doing right? It's like, well, you know, at first you don't really see it, just because, or for me, I didn't see it because I was so new to it, and it happened so quick. And then I started to learn. It's like, okay, wait, let me watch this part first. Let me just watch the hips. Okay, let me watch the bar this time. Let me watch your shoulders. It's like, okay, yeah, pieces together. You know, we we're talking about where you break it down, and then you start to build off of it. Yeah.
1: Yes, and you learn from each different person I mean every time I take a dance class with a different expert I learn something different but it but as I said it's it's practice and it is a practice meaning it becomes what you do and who you are and the curiosity I don't just tune out when somebody talks about medicine or science not my field but I, I'm married to a physician. I have to be interested
0: right <laughs> partly right? partly
1: yeah and and he loves to talk about politics, and I never wanted to talk about politics. It depressed me now, ask me anything, and I know a lot about i mean nice but but i'm- I mean being curious helped me talk to him,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, you may get connection
1: make that connect. I mean, we got together because we both dance, but people say to me, what do you talk to him about? (laughs) And, you know, because I'm curious, it worked out.
0: Yeah. Is there a style of dancing that you do?
1: I do. I, I, well, I started out as a ballroom dancer and um, uh, Latin swing, Fox all that, but now uh, that COVID hit, can't do that much so now i do mostly in my living room i take online jazz and theater classes
0: nice Just you just do it virtually and they just kind of teach you go through zoom or something
1: yeah yeah so i get i mean i i did that in in uh in new york you get to get really great people you get all these oh. people from broadway and alvin ailey classes and i mean i'm right near all these amazing amazing yeah. I got to take classes with Broadway choreographers and Broadway dancers and just very lucky. You've
0: been dancing, did you say you were dancing your whole life?
1: Well, my, my father was a dancer, a professional dancer. Impressive. And I would talk about dreams. He didn't let me study dance.
0: Why is that? He didn't want you to go down that road?
1: He didn't want me to go down that road. Very tough life, very short career you're done when you're 35 or le- or younger you're done really yeah it's too old you can't
0: I mean, the very similar to professional sports i guess because you know most people when they hit 35 you know they start to say well you're on your you're down
1: yeah.
0: you're down era yeah you're not really in your prime anymore but i didn't think about it as far as dancing though. i guess that makes sense you know it's huh yeah,
1: then you have to either become a choreographer or a teacher. Um, but performing can't do those leaps and turns and the stamina, the stamina that you need. Yeah. It's just, you know, even now myself, just, you know, I danced for an hour and a half and I'm like, wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you could say poof, what would you be? I would say a dancer.
0: Yeah. Huh. Kind of blew my mind with that. I never really thought and sat down. Well, I'll never really think about dancing that much as far as making a career out of it. And I go 35, you know, you're done, but yeah, now it just makes perfect sense that, okay. Yeah. I mean, just like I said, associated with athletes and yeah. And a lot of those guys even take, you know, certain dances to help them as far as their movement and their, you know, try to gain more abilities and stuff. So yeah. Huh. It's interesting. Have you always been from New York and there's yeah,
1: born and bred New uh, Yorker. Can you, hear, you can't hear it.
0: Well, <laughs> I'm not really good with accents, I guess. And, uh, you know, I was just asking or did you move there just because for, you know, the creativity part of it. And, and that's like a, a Mecca as far as like you said, fashion and, uh, you know, dance and everything. And I was just wondering, but yeah, you know, as far as accents and stuff, I can catch certain words, but as far as when I'm listening, just like, I just think that, oh, that's just, that's how Robin talks no big deal you know like I went to a conference in Boston um two or three years ago I can't remember when but that was the most I could actually understand the different accents and people and like it was so thick and hard I was like wow that's that Boston accent but before like I don't really I don't really catch it or I just don't really just kind of move on you know because I don't really care I guess it's like oh that's fine you know but people call me out on mind, but it's fine <laughs> You
1: have a charming accent. My daughter went to study at University of Chicago, and she came back after her first semester, and she said, Mom, you have a New York accent. (laughs) (laughs) I said, oops. And she said, you say, I don't even want to say the word, O-R-A-N-G-E, wrong. Yeah. And you say H-O-R-R-O-R, wrong. (laughs) I don't even say those words anymore.
0: Oh don't blame you.
1: She freaked me out. It's very hard. It's really terrible when your child corrects you.
0: Hmm. Well, I don't know about that part. I'm just a single dad of two dogs. So oh. <laughs> maybe one day I'll go down that road if it happens. But, you know, I'm not really worried about it. But let's switch gears a little bit, though, as far as, you know, the writing. And, you know, I know we talked about your dancing, but is that part of you getting your creativity out as far as, you know, kind of exploring other avenues?
1: I love writing now. Um, in fact, this year, during COVID, I was incredibly productive. I wrote two books Impressive. during COVID. I would, I would tell your listeners not to do that. Um, <laughs> the, the writing part was actually great. They both kind of fell out of my head, but when the books went into production, that's where it was just really got really, really hairy and, and very, very stressful. Um, Because production of books is very difficult when they're going to copy edit and they get they go to the book packager and go into design and all that. Um, But, yeah, I love to write. And uh, going back to my daughter, she um, before she went to University of Chicago, she took a summer class at Harvard in learning how to write short stories. And when she would call home, I would kind of pull information out of her. And I tried to learn how to write a short story by asking her questions. And I did. And I taught myself through her how to write short stories. And I started submitting them into literary, mag- into literary journals. And I was accepted. And so I just love to write. And now I'm last summer I wrote a screenplay and I'm hoping to start working on that once well, I have a contract for a book with Columbia University Press, so I have to do that. But after that, I think I'm going to move to the screenplay.
0: Is that something you always wanted to do, was a screenplay?
1: I wrote one when I was in graduate school. And um, as, talk about the advisor who told you you have to know somebody. When I was in graduate school, somebody said, well, if you don't know anybody, you're never going to get that screenplay made or read. So. Uh and that that's still kind of true you still have to kind of know somebody but i'm going to give it a shot why not
0: yeah i mean you gotta why not i mean that's one thing that you know i've learned through this whole podcast or any whatever just take a chance and you know if it fails and you're right you know what do you have to lose okay what somebody told you no okay it's not the first time you know i've been rejected before no big deal But, but, but don't use that as uh I mean I kind of use that as motivation I guess it's like you know in a sense that okay let's uh us move on to the next thing and keep you know keep moving forward you know I mean right you're not forward you're backwards right and you know you don't want to go backwards or I don't anyway
1: yeah no i have to keep challenging myself and i and i just love like you said i just love to create i love ideas i love i love figuring things out that to me is the most exciting part is like some people cuz i i um I help other faculty around the country learn how to write books and a lot of faculty find it really intimidating to write and very frustrating and I find it very exciting because it's it's a puzzle and it and it's and it's your like the frustration is part of the fun is that you're figuring it out and even if it's really really challenging you get in there and you figure it out and once you figure it out it's like wow i just figured that out so i'm gonna be really excited to figure out and and work on a screenplay and figure out the plot and and now i when i watch television and i watch movies i i reverse engineer (laughs) their plots
0: nice yeah there's a I'm, i'm part of that faculty you help i'm scared to death of writing and I try to do it like I've talked about on here, you know, but I'd only do it, you know, as far as journaling for myself or writing down my thoughts and, you know, and I've said it again, I've said it before on here, but that's what Jordan Peterson kind of, I don't know if you know who that is, but that's one of the things he, um, he's a clinical psychologist, I think he taught at Harvard for a little bit, maybe somewhere in Toronto, but, you know, it was like, Hey, if you want to talk about something or have thoughts on an idea or whatever, go ahead and write them down and make two or three different arguments for him. and and so I was like, well, that really made sense to me. You know, that, you know, I like, I like doing that. And it makes me you know if, you know, like you said, we we start talking about politics or whatever, not that I want to, but I just don't go on here and just start rambling. I actually have a couple of ideas that I've actually thought of. And it's, oh, okay. I can actually talk somewhat articulate about it. But, but
1: you're a podcaster, so you can be a writer because it's right. like being a teacher. You can write it. It's, yeah. you're talking to people. So it's very similar. You're expressing yourself just record. I mean, you've already recorded yourself.
0: Just <laughs> Yeah. That's one of the things that, you know, I've kind of noticed is that, you know, I go back and like kind of write down my notes and thoughts on things that we right. talked about. And and then, you know, it's helped me. And you know, like I said, you know, it makes more sense to me writing it down. But, you know, part of the reason I didn't go get my PhD was just because I didn't want to write a, a, dis- or a dissertation, you know, because I was like, man, I can't do that. And I've really, I've came to terms with it now, but at the time, you know, like a year later after I finished, like, man, I should have just went and tried and see what happened. But but I never felt like I was a strong writer. And I'm not saying that I am a strong writer, but it was just kind of intimidating at the same time. And
1: well, I wasn't a strong writer when I started because I went I went through school in this gifted program and they actually didn't teach us how to write. I never learned how to dissect a sentence. I never learned how to write a composition. I never learned how to write. I had to learn on my own. And so it's been... Myself teaching myself—that's awesome—and getting and getting better and better. And and when I look at my early books, I'm like, oh no! I can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's part of the process. Like you know, I mean, you know, when I started the podcast, I knew the very first episodes would probably be trash, and then but if I kept going, I'd get better at it and learn new things and you no know, pick up little, you know quips from people like yourself it's like oh yeah that makes sense let me try it this way now and that's part of the you know you got to be like you were saying you got to be a little bit open to things and not scared to try new things and if they fail then okay we're back at square one but we continue to move forward and that's part of the creativity stuff when you know like when I've helped try to create my logos or create other people's logos and stuff you know like okay but that failed if you didn't like it okay no deal we move on and we figure it out
1: and writing can be very conversational so the way you speak you're speaking to me, can be the way you write.
0: Yeah. That's what I try to do.
1: Yeah. There's no reason that writing, like a lot of academic writing is dreadful. Mm. I mean, people think that it has to sound like dense and and nobody wants to read that.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Well, even in my workplace emails, you know, when I'm working, you know, I start to type, like, I hope this email finds you well. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, I don't do that. I don't really talk to people that way. And, but I feel like you know, again, that's a workplace culture that I have to write this way. And then I've kind of learned my own style, of kind of being professional, but not overly professional at the same time, I guess. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just I don't want people, I want, I want this to be me. You know, I don't want to just say, yeah, I hope this email finds you well or whatever. So, well, Gen Z
1: is changing it all because they don't even use periods. And in fact, really? <laughs> Well, my well, not an email. Well, someone, somewhat, somewhat an email. My students tell me that never to use periods, never to use periods while in texting because that just means you're angry.
0: What? That's what they told me. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that because <laughs> I mean I've never heard that before. But I mean I've learned I've I've seen other things where. Sorry, my dogs are kind of barking right now, but that's yeah, that makes more sense, you know, when you, I, because I, you know, I'm not a grammar king, but I know a little bit about it. And it's like, OK, we need, need a period there. And it's like, you know, but this like you know, cause sometimes when, immediately when I start reading the text that it's like, mm, this makes zero sense. What are they trying to say? I have no clue. But I have heard people also make the argument that, well, you're texting. You don't have to worry about grammar. It's a text. Mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit of grammar, I think, would help. It goes a long way. You don't have to be, you know, a full expert. but. Yeah, but I've never heard that before. Gen Z saying you don't use periods because you're angry.
1: Well, they, they, my daughter and my students keep me
0: <laughs> up to,
1: yeah, keep wait. me with it. As, I know that's not with it. But.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Do you uh, Have you integrated that? I mean, do you text a lot? Do you use periods or no?
1: No, I wouldn't use periods. I don't want anybody to think I'm angry at them. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Oh no! I I do whatever they tell me to do.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Huh. Well, I'm gonna to have to talk to some other yeah. people about this and get to the bottom of this about not using periods. Is, yeah. there, is there anything else I should know as far as? Um. Oh, I want to be with it. I want to be hip.
1: I know. I me think what else? Um. I'll have to. I'll have to think about it and and okay. and text you. Yeah.
0: Okay. Be a good. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't put a period. I don't want you to be angry with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I always thought it was as all caps as when you were angry, you know, back in the day. You write in all caps. Oh,
1: yeah, well, then you're screaming at somebody. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, man.
0: Uh, yeah. It, it, do you think, hmm, where do I want to go? Now, I know we we're talking about aliens and stuff, but well, we didn't really talk about it, but there's going to be a point where we don't really need to text or we can just kind of, talk without texting i guess i don't know if i, I don't know my thoughts are coming out the way i want to i want it to like it's kind of like we can just kind of understand what people were talking without having to use body language texting uh you know it's just kind of we just read, well, almost, be, almost read people's minds yeah.
1: well i think there's going to be gestural interface sooner than we think where you just you don't have to actually type touch type but Ooh. you can like Jim, did you see? It was a long time ago. Minority Report. with
0: yeah. Tom Cruise. Um,
1: yeah, um, an actual an ad agency called Possible. Remember the board that he was using, and he didn't touch the board, the, the uh interface. It was yeah. gestural. He just moved his hands, and things moved.
0: Uh, it was very I similar. Mean, to that, yeah, in that movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so that I think is gonna become much more popular, but it'll also be kind of in the air. There won't actually be uh, a hard surface that you interface with. It'll just be kind of the cloud will be there. Yeah. So I think we're moving towards so many more things. I mean, did, did I didn't think commercial trips on rockets would be possible in the early 21st century. Sure. I mean, things are moving very, very quickly. I didn't think, you know, you know, you watch when you watch reruns of Star Trek. You know, I'm, I would still like to be beamed up somewhere. <laughs> but, but all these ideas, you know, voice, you can voice type, you can do all these voice control, voice commands. So I think a lot of things are going to happen much quicker than we anticipate.
0: Would you go to space if you had a chance? No. No? No interest?
1: No. No. I I don't think they have dancing. Fans,
0: <laughs> you, you, you can take it there. You can be the first person to. But first person, I mean, first person like
1: a, to do the cha-cha on screen. Yeah.
0: That's like a little commercial trip. Go up there and check it out and come back.
1: Maybe. We'll see. I'll let some other people go first. I mean, William Shatner went and he came back
0: okay. He's fine, right? And then, you know, basically, uh, Jeff Bezos kind of went to the surface of it or whatever he did a while back but and what i was getting at was that you know when people have talked about going to space and they come back and seeing the world as it is as a whole it's like they give this mm. whole new ideology to themselves about you know wow you know like this was a new perspective of things and all new meaning of guess a purpose in life and it's like, i wonder what they're actually seeing what that's like what that feeling is so
1: well, it's. I mean, it's. I would bet. I mean, I kind of feel that when I'm on an airplane. I mean, you look down and it's just. I always think, I'm so glad nobody left this to me to figure out. I mean, I have a lot of good ideas, but, you know, if they had left electricity up to me, we'd be sitting in the dark. You know, so I'm glad somebody else figured this all out. Would you go? Would you go on a commercial For sure. rocket? For
0: sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's because I want to experience that. You know what they were talking about, and also that you know it's one of those things that a lot of people, um, there's not many people who've been to space, really. So right, it's like, ooh, I could say I'm one of the few, you know. And you know how many opportunities you get like that. You know, Matthew McConaughey wrote a book, Green Lights, and it's always like you know when opportunities come like that, I'm looking for them now, And, and instead of just immediately like you know when you said. You know, being curious and open, actually right. that medieval thing or whatever. So, well, well, let's go see That's a green light. This could be a huge opportunity for me. You never know. You're right.
1: You're right. Yeah, yeah. I said no to, I said no to soon. I'm just not a great traveler. It's
0: okay. No, but I mean, a lot of people just, you know. Like,
1: what do you pack? Like, what do you pack? I don't know. I don't,
0: I don't either. I don't know. I mean, if, <laughs> how far we're going, I guess, or how long we're going to be away.
1: You know? uh, how many pairs of shoes can I take? I don't know. I mean, you can, would do, whatever be really...
0: you can <laughs> do whatever you want to, but yeah, I think it's just things like that. It's just media It's just, well, why not? You know, let's, uh, let's go see what happens. Now, I'm not saying that with everything in life, but, you know, if somebody said, let's go jump off into the Grand Canyon, i like, well, no, I'm, I'm good. I'll go look at it, but I don't want to go jump off anything. So, but anyway, but yeah, Robin, this has been great. Let's, uh, let's take this home on that right there. Um, if people want to find you and your books and all that good stuff, where do they do that at? Feel free to plug away.
1: Uh, Robinlanda.com. You can find me, my book's on Amazon. You can find me on LinkedIn, but my website is Robinlanda.com.
0: Well, thanks for having a little Sunday conversation with me. I enjoyed it.
1: Thank you so much. It was great, Chris.
0: Okay. Bye everybody. We're out of here.